Welcome to the See You Next Summer podcast. I'm your host, Billy Pollahan, and with me, as always, is the Sala to my indie, Mr. Raul Rodriguez. How are you doing, buddy? The Forbidden Eye. Uh, yes, I'm doing good. Ah, we're going to do something that I was dreading for. We're doing Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. God help us all. <laughs> yeah, you could say that again. But this is some unfinished business. We got to put the final nail in this coffin and put this sick dog down. See what I did there? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry, old yeller. Yeah. So this is also a recent movie. Mm-hmm. It's not actually going to be the most recent movie that we cover either. Oh, yeah. But True. came out last year mm-hmm. on Disney's big 100th anniversary, no less. But I think the big lesson here is never overstay your welcome. Because remember when The Walking Dead was the biggest show in the world and everybody mm-hmm. talked about it, but it just kept going to the mm-hmm. point where it just became everybody just abandoned it. If you don't believe me, check the viewership mm-hmm. from the first from the third season to the last season. You will see how bad it got. My point in bringing that up is this is what happens when things overstay their welcome. Mm-hmm. They just fizzle out and they become nothing. Yeah. Um, I remember literally when you... Uh, call back. <laughs> the Elotero guy. I remember when you um, when you told when you went to see it first and then I was getting up from work and you told me I just saw it. Oh God. And I was like, oh shit. Without you telling me nothing. And then I told you, Well, I need coffee because I'm tired from work. And you told me, get an espresso. It would be fucking I ordered a frappuccino, my favorite thing. A frappuccino, a Java chip frappuccino from Star Wars with three shots of espresso. And I still felt the dreaded pacing of this movie. We're going to talk about this. But yes, this is the fifth and final Indiana Jones film. Yeah. That is the fifth and final one. And yeah, this is the first film in the franchise also to not be directed by Steven Spielberg. But instead, a. Not very- even written by George Lucas either. And Spielberg and Lucas didn't were not involved in the story. Mm-hmm. Your credits, of course, but that's basically nothing. Yeah, that's basically that's just saying, oh yeah, do you approve of us making it? Yeah, sure, okay. Sign the dotted line so we could just put your name up there, just so we could have some sort of credibility. Mm-hmm. Whatever. But they did. I did like the director that they did hire. His name is mm-hmm. James Old, and he's made really good movies. What, like Walk the Line, the remake to 310 to Yuma, Logan, mm-hmm. Ford, v, uh, Ford versus Ferrari. Like, this is a very good filmmaker, and I love what he does with his movies. But, man, this movie turned into quite a parallel between mm-hmm. the other Lucasfilm franchise. Yeah. And this one. Much like how... Now we can connect three because you could play Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon with three things now because Jurassic World Dominion also has a very similar story to this. Oh my God, that's true. And that was made by Steven Spielberg. That, that was a franchise that was started by Steven Spielberg. Mm-hmm. Well, 
who is best friends with George Lucas, who did Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And now it comes back to Steven Spielberg starting a franchise. Or actually, it's Steven Spielberg and George Lucas. Mm-hmm. So this is really a full circle moment. This That would be a dreaded trilogy. Rise of Skywalker, Dominion, and then Dial of Destiny. If, if you can't tell, we did not like this movie. No! It pains me to say this because... This had so much potential. Mm-hmm. You got Harrison back. You got James Mangle. It's bringing our character back, but this is a thing. I think there should be a role in Hollywood now. And I think I said this when we did a movie, like maybe like a year ago. You should never do a sequel to a movie 20 years later. There should be like a minimum, like less than 10. Very rarely does it work. I think the only one that we can say that a sequel that worked is Blade Runner. That was made 30, 40 years later. Although you don't like it. I do like 2049 though more. No, no, no. I'm talking about Top Gun Maverick. I ah! would argue that that's a sequel that did a lot of... Respected its film. Mm-hmm. And that paid off big time. Literally. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I need to give Top Gun another chance because I had never seen the original. So I think yeah. if well, I watch both fair, of them... Well, to be fair, though, I've seen both, and I can tell you with certainty, Top Gun Maverick respects mm, its okay. predecessor, and it's a good sequel. Nice. Because it is... It does some things that are different. But it does the aged hero a lot better than this movie. Mm-hmm. It seems like Disney and... Yeah, this is basically Disney... Or just franchises in general, they don't know what else to do but do the deconstruct the main hero mm-hmm. thing and just take away what we loved about these heroes in the first place. They and even did it in Dominion. Before people were not trying to do that thing that a lot of fucking YouTubers are doing that crap of like, oh, this is because it's woke or that crap. No, we're saying the obvious. Because one of the thing, Luke Skywalker, because we we talked about this before we started recording, Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi, even though he went through the same story arc, he progressed at the end. He had a character arc. Here, Indiana Jones doesn't go through an arc. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that's why I always respect Ryan Johnson for taking the direction that he did. And mm-hmm. he did the safe route. Unlike the next film in that trilogy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they weren't satisfied for doing it for Star Wars and with their own original characters. So they decided to do it with Indiana, Indiana Jones. Yeah. Basically killed any hope for a franchise. Revival. It, which is weird because Harrison Ford was, he had just turned 80. Yeah, this is the other thing that baffles me, though, about it, because at least the Star Wars sequel trilogy, even though with its problems, it tried to set up a new story and also, like, new characters and still using the old ones. But then after the fall of The Last Jedi, they did Episode Nine and the Mandalorian crap and all of that shit. I'm surprised that they never tried to set up Helena or none of the new characters for, like, a spinoff or, like, a sequel. Nothing. And it's kind of surprising, though. I'm also kind of glad because they're not. I'm glad, uh, but I'm surprised that they didn't even try. That's the biggest problem with this film is that it feels like nobody tried. 
but I know that can't be true. Making a movie is not easy to do. And it feels like a fucking a lot of studio notes and meddling happening throughout those, this whole thing. I want to see the documentary about the making of this movie. And because there is no behind the scenes on the fucking before Disney we start yeah. just going through the plot, which is the MacGuffin plot, the same story as Dominion and Rise of Skywalker. So if you've seen our episodes on that, you know exactly mm-hmm. what how this movie is going to go. Yes. But I want to bring up the budget. Mm-hmm. This has okay. one of the biggest budgets ever. This is $300 million. Jesus. Where did it all go to? Mm-hmm. This does not feel like a $300 million movie. No. It barely feels like a $200 million movie. And even if you say that fucking thing that is COVID, a lot of fucking movies that record during COVID and cost less. There's movies that cost less, but look great. Mm-hmm. My point is, money isn't everything. I mean, it's a lot of things. But my point is, there is no excuse for it to look like this. They couldn't. I knew there was something wrong because they couldn't even get the font right. Uh-huh. They couldn't even get the Indiana Jones font right. That is one of the most iconic fonts ever. How do you fuck that up? Mm-hmm. That's just basic art direction. You use the same font that you did. Even Kingdom of the Crystal Skull knew that. And that's not even the most beloved in the franchise. That's considered the worst in the franchise. Now that seems to have been dethroned. Thank you, this movie. But this is the other thing that it felt so weird. This is me when I was watching it. Didn't remember watching it for this. It felt like James Mango had a plan of how the movie was going to go. But I think Disney saw the dailies and they told them, can you do more Spielberg? Try to make it more like Spielberg, but then it felt like James Mango didn't want it to. Yeah, I was expecting something more like Logan. Uh Uh-huh. You know, that whole, like, last Ronin, last big hurrah thing. Mm -hmm. And that's a great movie because that felt like a a Western. Mm -hmm. That didn't even feel like a superhero movie. It just happened to be... And that was a great send-off for Wolverine until Deadpool 3 comes back. And don't get me wrong, I'm excited to see Hugh Jackman again, but... That really uh, undermines the ending of Logan mm-hmm. and really makes that irrelevant in the long run. Because that wasn't only the last time for Hugh Jackman. That was the last time for Patrick Stewart as well. It felt like an ending to the X-Men franchise too. It was a good ending. Yeah. And of course it would end with Charles and Logan mm-hmm. being the last ones because they were the most popular ones there. Mm-hmm. But yeah... um. This movie was written, it's credited with four, four. people, which is uh, James Mangold. So I know for a fact this was rewritten like crazy. And yeah, it's produced by Kathleen Kennedy, Frank Marshall and stuff. And you're like, oh, Kathleen Kennedy. She produced the other Indiana Jones movies as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she did. So before any of you people are like, oh, she ruined Indiana Jones. Uh, no, not really. Not really. Like. Not in terms, not this movie specifically. The problem with this movie feels like, well, we'll get into it more, but let's just start this movie because it starts um, during World War II Mm -hmm. and they're at this castle. So I'm reminded of The Last Crusade and um, we see Indiana Jones, like this time, again, played by Harrison Ford, but they de-aged his face. And I yes. hate doing this. 
just recast if you want to do like a flashback or something. We don't care. We, you had the fucking guy that did a young Harrison Ford, Anthony Gruber from the Edge of Adeline. You could just call him. You could have paid him a million dollars to film five minutes of screen time. Hell, make the nerds angry and get Alden Ehrenreich back. I wouldn't mind that. Yes. Do that. Yeah, but or even fucking anyway. stupid. What some fucking Gen Zs wanted, Chris Pratt. Do fucking Chris Pratt for five minutes. Hey, okay. I know. Settle, yeah, settle down. Settle down. I know. Um, but the problem is that it still sounds like older Harrison Ford, so that illusion mm-hmm. is completely broken. And he is captured by Nazis. What okay. a shock! <laughs> and this time he is with another random sidekick. This time it's a British archaeologist named Basil Shaw, played by Toby Jones. Dobby from Harry Potter. A best friend that he never mentioned. Yes, that they just shoehorned in here. Mm-hmm. And I don't buy their chemistry at all. They're just dicks to each other. Mm-hmm. And every time he says Baz, I just keep thinking Baz Lerman for <laughs> like that would be more interesting. Like, why is Baz Lerman the director here? I'd rather have Baz Lerman direct this movie. Yeah. He'd make a batshit insane crazy Indiana Jones movie. At least the map transitions would fit into his wheelhouse. It would have been Temple of Doom kind of crazy. Can you imagine the the music playlist for Indiana Jones done by Baz Luhrmann? That would have been so cool, though. Yeah. Here's, Here's the other thing, is that the sad part is this first 20 minutes this could have been a movie all on its own yes and it's actually pretty good too you got indiana jones you got the nazis again uh you got a sidekick it's basic stuff um you know of course the the main the main nazi was (laughs) strucker from avengers age of ultron i guess that poor guy he's just going to be typecast as like a nazi for the rest (laughs) of his career no, it felt like um, like an Indiana Jones script that never made it to uh to be a movie. It felt like maybe George Lucas and he, and Spielberg had like an idea, and they're like, "Oh, we're not gonna do that one." And it felt like Disney grabbed like those three pages, and we're gonna do this as the intro, because I like this intro a lot. But this is when I noticed that it felt like a checklist. It looked very a lot like Last Crusade. Also felt very Raiders too with the whole motorcycle chasing. I do like the chasing though, the motorcycles between the cars and then on. Top I'd, of I'd the say it's more Last Crusade as well. It feels more like Last Crusade, but Last Crusade also felt like he was doing Raiders again too. Even and though Last so Crusade it's basically was really just regurgitating the same stuff. Oh yeah, and it's all mm-hmm. shot at night, which we know that they did that just so they could hide the face. Yes, yeah, to hide. The there's face. a lot of like shots in the shadows and stuff, and while it does look cool. Sometimes he looks blurry. Sometimes, like, for the most part, it's okay, but it's that uncanny valley thing. Mm-hmm. And it's we get ourselves a chase scene, and we're also introduced to uh, Volaire, who I think this is the first time we're mentioning Mads Mikkelsen on the channel. We had never done the Fantastic B, so yeah, I think this is the first time. No, wait, we did, we did fucking Row 1. Oh, yeah, we did, but yeah... Why are we doing all of Mads Mikkelsen's bad stuff? We should be talking about Hannibal. You, that's a show that I always wanted to watch. That is a show we need to at least do an episode on in the future. We'll put that yes. down in the never-ending idea folder. Yes. Uh, Hannibal. Brian Fuller's masterpiece. If, you don't, if you've never seen it, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mads Mikkelsen is incredible. He is a Danish man mm-hmm. playing a Nazi, and he is playing. He also kind of looked like. Uh, remember the Gestapo agent from the first movie? Yeah, that's what he does. That's why I remember. So I was like, yeah, like, he the, like the, the same glasses mm-hmm. and everything. That one and, that he brought his can. Yeah. Yeah. And anyway, I bring this up because he has this thing called the Antikythera. Yeah, yeah. But we just call it um, the Archimedes dial. Yeah. Because apparently it's a dial that mathematically finds fissures in time Mm -hmm. made by the inventor Archimedes, who was an uh, old-time inventor that he, he invented the pulley system and things. Mm-hmm. A very important man in history. And that that's the artifact. Originally, it was going to be the, the spear that, uh, the spear of that, longevity. The Christ. Yeah. The, you know, the one that stabbed Christ, but it was a fake. But then they were like, I think oh, okay. Constantine. And uh, Mads Mikkelsen's whole arc, or like <laughs> his thing, is that he's like, okay, I got this time dial and stuff. And then everyone is like, no, that's stupid. Mm-hmm. And while that happens, um, Indy does his whole, you know, pretending to be a Nazi to go through the train. Yeah, the le- legitimately the only funny moments in these in this movie mm-hmm. came from this opening, because every other time they try to do comedy, it is terrible. Yeah, and they end up going to, uh, they have a big sequence. They jump off the train because... Uh, don't forget about how the, the villain gave him fucking smack in the head. Oh, yeah. So the first hard. plot hole is that um, he gets shot and then smacked right in the head on a f- train that's going full speed mm-hmm. right off the bridge. You'd think that would have killed him, but no, apparently not. This movie is very inconsistent with how it kills people. Yeah. Plot armor is very thick. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it cuts to the future, and then it's uh, now it's 1969, because this was in 1944. Nazis mm-hmm. were about to lose the war and everything, so... Um, yeah, then it's 1969, and we got Indy literally just sleeping on his uh, couch, or his, his chair, and I like the little details of like the photos of Mutt and... Mm-hmm. Henry Senior, yeah, Marion, and all that, and he is a working. grumpy old man that doesn't like hippies. Nope, and of course the hippies are playing the Beatles, specifically the Magical Mystery Tour, because mm-hmm. today is Moon Day, which is when they televise the first moon landing. Don't even get me started on a whole conspiracy. Directed by Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> no, we're not doing that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, when we landed on the moon, which did mm. happen, by the way, I don't buy those conspiracy theory bullshit. Especially you, Interstellar. Although I believe that is a future that could happen. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Het Indy is—he's just trying to teach about Archimedes and stuff. Everybody just disrespects him. They don't give so him the time bored. of day. They just, he, like, 
There's no Did horny he? girls for him. Nothing. Well, well, yeah, no, he's he's really just past his prime at this point, and it's just mm-hmm. sad to watch because you're like, man, this is what we do to old people, and it's it's pretty harsh. Yes. And they, the other thing I did, like, there was not- so disrespectful to him that it's just it, it, this persists throughout the entire movie. Yes, a lot. But you know what? Also, I don't like about this bad writing because this is in a fucking college. It's weird that Indy didn't have in a full classroom one fucking well, nerd this, that this, would well, like Hunter him. Hunter College is a public university, so I know. But did he have one nerd that would like the class? Because everybody was bored in that classroom. It is kind of weird, though. Well, yeah, they are. And the, the, he was like, oh, it was in Syracuse. And the girl's like, and then this one girl, oh, Syracuse. And he's like, not the Syracuse in New York. <laughs> but and even he is just like, he's like, he, I, I even love, he's just like, it's anyone that's on the test, whatever. And then they just wheel in the TV, completely, literally shove him to the side. Yes. So you understand that Indy, because also Marion filed for separation, you learn why. And you're like, oh, how are they going to deal with Shia LaBeouf because of his many controversies outside of this franchise? And it's been many years. It's been 15 years since the last movie. Yep. Well, they poochied him. Now, for those of you that don't know, Poochie was a character on The Simpsons that the creators of the in-show itchy and scratchy wanted to make to boost up ratings. Mm -hmm. And then they got Homer to voice him. And then... Uh, how they did it, they they killed him off in a very comedic way. Like, I have to go to my home planet. And then you see the the, the animation sheets and it just yes. says, no, Poochie died on his way to his home planet. Mm-hmm. Essentially, they just lazily root, uh, rid him up, written him off. Mm-hmm. Here, actually, how they dealt with it makes a lot of sense with mm-hmm. the time period. But it still feels weird because you would yeah. be like, if you knew the character... He would never do this. No. Mm-hmm. That's one of my biggest things that I don't like about this movie. But then we yeah, meet the character. Mutt got killed in Vietnam. Yes. And then we meet the character that I was liking at first. And then I hate her at the end of the movie. Phoebe Waterbridge's character, Helena Shaw. Yeah, not Phoebe Bridgers. Sorry. Like the weird indie artist, but Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Mm-hmm. Because they have the same name, I guess. Just freaking Bridges and Phoebe. And I haven't seen Fleabag. I'm only judging her because of this movie. Yeah, and this movie definitely need more hot priest. Yeah. More, more Andrew Scott, please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he probably would have been a better villain. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, Helena, who is Indy's goddaughter, by the way. Mm-hmm. I thought... That it would be more interesting if it would have been like a daughter-in-law, mm-hmm. because Mutt's father, biological father, was British. Helena is British, and yeah, it does make sense. Like, oh, it would be his friend. Apparently, not his best friend. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, encourages him to find uh the dial. Like one last adventure. She's she, she's super arrogant and cocky. Which normally mm-hmm. is fine. But the problem is with her character, they never show really any fault or weakness. Or like yeah. any, they don't really show any vulnerability. 
they try to in one instance, but it doesn't come from her. It's from what we are shown. Mm-hmm. And they keep telling us, oh, yeah, that's the goddaughter and everything. They're trying to force this connection, but it's they just don't have good chemistry. No. They have, like, no chemistry. So, basically, he's been forced into retirement. They gave him a clock. And I love, I do like when he gives the clock to the random dude. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, yeah, this is probably just a regular day for Harrison Ford. And even yeah. when they're like, you do a retirement speech, and he's just like, uh, thanks for putting up with me. Bye. It's probably what Harrison Ford. This is more true to life for Harrison Ford than most I'm people. I'm pretty sure that was Harrison Ford at a rap party for that show with Jason Segel. That feels like he was at the rap party. I was like, thank you. Bye. <laughs> I mean, that's him at, everywhere, basically. Yeah. But yeah, and... uh, they're trying to find the other half of the dial. Oh, yeah, and his cute little nickname for her is Wombat, even though she's not Australian, you weirdo. No. But uh, I, I guess everybody needs a nickname. It, it's not going to catch on. We're just going to call her... I'm just going to call her Fleabag for the rest of this and, episode. Yeah, she's Fleabag. And also, a scene that I like, that I wish that the movie would have explored a little more, I like the scene when the villain, uh, Mass Mickelson, is at the hotel... At the hotel. And uh, room service comes and it's a, it's a black man. And I love the tension between a Nazi and a black man. Because they're like, a, I was like, where are you from? And the, the, the man says, I'm from the Bronx. Where's your family from? And I love the pause there. That felt like James Mangold directed that scene. I was like, I was born next to Yankee Stadium. You fought for your country. And then we see that he just, he's about to leave. And he says, you didn't want the war. Hitler lost it. This felt like a mango moment. Oh, yeah. And then we also get introduced to his henchmen, one of which is played by Boyd Holbrook, who is in a lot of James Mangold stuff. Again, Logan, Mm -hmm. where he's the guy that hunts down uh, Daphne Keene, X-23, or Lara Mm -hmm. in Logan. He's the guy with the mechanical arm Mm -hmm. in that movie, Um, who's still got a thick southern accent for some reason despite the fact that he's supposed to be playing a nazi we also got a big muscle bound one with a flat top and the same thing as logan both of these characters are bloodthirsty they love killing people they're a little insane and we also they're they're getting uh herded by the cia uh one of them is just a guy that just broke his leg and we know he's probably only got two days left till retirement and the other is this young um the black lady awesome afro by the way hate her character because she has a bad attitude to everybody she's so rude and it it comes off as very unlikable you don't want to watch somebody like that and uh for me the thing that bothers me about the movie what was the point of her character you can get into that written her out and the plot will have been the same you could have written out the whole CIA thing because uh, now it's Mads Mikkelsen. He is working as Dr. Schmidt and <laughs> he's essentially he's pulling a Hydra move because in real life, though, they did get Nazis to work at the space program for NASA mm-hmm. because the Nazis people did not know this. They were working on rockets. They actually had a very big science division and had those rockets been more advanced they probably could have won the war so it's a good thing that it didn't end up that way or um that's what oppenheimer's about is also trying to beat the nazis 
Yeah. Uh, from making an atomic bomb or a nuclear bomb. Mm-hmm. And that's saying something because German engineering is the greatest in the world. Mm-hmm. Anyway, point being is uh, Helena is trying to convince Indy. So he he goes to the school that conveniently has the other half of the dial because it was split into two parts. Even though he course. lied about it. He, he said that he didn't it. have it. Yeah. Yeah. And he takes her there. And she's very much like, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to sell this to the black market and everything. And he's just like, what the hell are you doing? Just destroy this. And then she's Uh like, no, I'm just going to sell it. And then, of course, the CIA comes. They kill a couple of teachers as well for some reason. this is when the girl with the afro noticed. I was like, why do we kill them? I was like, the doctor said no. I was like, "Um, if you're the CIA girl... According because that thing that's the other thing that does they feel like full of plot holes. Why she never realized that they were fucking Nazis? Why she took her that long to realize that? Because they're stupid, that's why. I know. Oh god damn it. The CIA is apparently the most useless organization in the world in this mm-hmm. movie. I don't know about real life. I'm not gonna say that because I don't know if they're listening to me. But what does happen is that um the, the, chase the, the CIA rooftop. frame, great job from the American government. I actually kind of like that. This is sort of commentary. Mm-hmm. Uh, they frame Indy for those two killings. Well, because also they because, they, because Indy, as an idiot, he touched the, the the professor's body and put the stain on the on the phone too. Yeah, well, they, like they say, you can't teach a dog new tricks. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. But the, that didn't organic though i don't think that indiana just would have touched a body like that Eh, i can kind of see that but anyway they're having Uh an apollo 11 parade because Uh all the oh because the astronauts came back Uh from the apollo 11 launch which was first men in space and there's also vietnam protests as well and Uh um we get that whole chase sequence and there's some clever stuff with like the horse. It reminded me of True Lies for some reason, where I was just like, I gotta go somewhere, but the horse is getting tired. And he escapes on the subway. Mm-hmm. And uh he just he just sits down and they're all looking at him and he just goes, The subway's faster. That moment was cool. I do like this whole chasing between the rallies and the and the whole parade. That this felt like a mango moment. This felt like a really mango moment. Yeah, and this the, whole sequence is actually pretty good. Yes. That's why they used most of it in the trailer. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, that's true. Yeah. And then we see uh we see that uh Indy sees on the on the TV that he, he's being framed for this. And then uh, there's a guy next to us like, Oh my god, you're the guy, here's the killer. And then we see Sala coming to save Indy, punches the guy. Brings him to his apartment, and I was like, I oh, yeah, Sala is a taxi driver now, because of course York, he This is New York, right, technically? New yeah, York he immigrated to New York, and now he's just a taxi driver. He no longer lives in Cairo. Even though it was established that Sala had a lot of properties. Consistency? What is that? What is that? That's one of the... You just reminded me, that's one of the other things that bothered me about the movie. And then there was like, wait, didn't Sala was rich? I was like, I was like, what the fuck happened? Where's like, the Del Rey Star Wars group when you need them? Mm-hmm. 
Or heck, just like watch the other movies. I don't know. Again, some consistency would be nice. Mm-hmm. This isn't Fast and the Furious where you know it's just crap. This is Indiana Jones. This is a beloved franchise. Yeah. And then uh, we see that Sala is, is putting an Indy in the airport, basically his passport. And I lost this moment of Sala feels cool, though. He says, I miss the desert. I, I miss the feeling of, of the morning of adventure and wonder. And then I, Indy said, this is an adventure, Sala. Giving hell Indiana Jones. And then, like you said, this moment was really cool. And then you cut it with a stupid car. Yeah, okay. like a car's about to hit Indy. And what then the and they go off. And it's like, okay. It's just you just cut the, the tension. Never, yeah. ever cut or never cut your momentum. Mm-hmm. You have it. You keep it. Mm-hmm. And it's just really weird. You think that a competent filmmaker would know this. But yeah, and then we get, um, well, Indy's looking outside of the plane window because now it's modern flying. It's no longer mm-hmm. that old-timey plane travel. Now it's, now it's Pan Am. And uh, he looks out the window. We get the flashback of, because he mentioned to Helena, he's like, oh, you don't remember the last time we uh, were together or the last time you saw me. And basically... Toby Jones goes completely nuts and starts babbling about like the dial and stuff. And he's basically turned into Gollum at this point. Yes. Gone completely insane. And, uh, Indy's just like, you're scaring your daughter and just give me the other half. And he's just like, if I do this, you have to destroy it. And he's like, yeah, okay, fine. Just give me the dial. So he does like an idiot. He has the habit sickness uh, from the king at the end of the, it was like the the gold sickness, the gold fever. Destroy it. Um, yeah, and then we get uh, Indy's just like, oh yeah, okay, Wombat. I'll give you a call when I get back. Never called again. You know That's actually been, on brand for Indiana Jones. I know, but you know I think that would have been cool when he's taking the train at, at the Pan Am and you could have hear a voice on the radio, this is your this is your pilot, Frank Abernathy. Like, from Cashmere, you can. That would have been a cool reference. Couldn't you make that? <laughs> eh, yeah, that could have. It, it was in the 60s. It was the also a Spielberg this, movie. Yeah, just to make a little Spielberg nod. You could yeah, uh, do now that. it's in... Uh, it, Helena is also taking a flight because she's going to try to sell the dial, the half of the dial to in Tangier, which is in Morocco. Mm-hmm. So of course you got to have something in like Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's real. Sala is right because now she's just trying to get money. So th- instead of Indiana Jones Jr., they're now turning her into Han Solo Jr. Just fine. If this is like star Wars, but this is Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. This is Indiana Jones. Yeah. and I don't know. It just feels wrong. And uh, he's stopping Helena from illegally selling it. And uh, we also meet our kid uh, sidekick. His name is Teddy Kumar, but he looks like uh, Sam Levine if he was not white. If you don't know who that is, look up Freaks and Geeks. If he didn't wax his eyebrow and sh- and he has like uh like he's dressed purposely similarly to short round as well. Mm-hmm. I was just like I'd rather just see short round again. 
And yeah. then, but yeah, his wispy pube mustache that every 13 year old had when yes. they were 12 or 12 year old had when they were mm-hmm. first growing a mustache. I should know. I had one. I was one of those kids. Um, hey, Lucky I eventually bastard. grew a real mustache. <laughs> Lucky bastard. I never had one of those. You're, you're good there. But yeah, mm-hmm. um, the kid is basically Aladdin at this point because he's just a pickpocket and a thief. And I expected him to start singing Street Rats. Um, I don't buy that. Oh, or Riff Raff Street Rats. I don't buy that. <laughs> That's what I expected. But no, his big thing is he wants to be a pilot. Okay, cool. But uh, they get chased down by... Yeah, they basically turn Helena into Han Solo. And also, I do like this little joke about Helena because when the Nazi guy shows up, Mouse Mickelson, I was like, oh, that's my dial. And I was like, and then uh, Indy's like, you stole it. I stole it. And then she's like, it's called capitalism, boys. And I'm like, you know what? That was. Yeah, no, no. He's like, that's my property. And he's like, no, I got it. Because you stole it from me. And then I stole it from him. And that's called capitalism. I just Mm -hmm. went, "Uh, okay. You know what? I'll give you that. And, and then, I love when when uh when Indy's using his whip, like against everybody and everybody pulls a gun. That felt like a very indie joke, uh, indie moment. Uh, I felt genuine. Oh, when he's he's using the whip. The mm-hmm. only time he uses the whip in the movie, by the way. Yeah. And it's just for a trailer moment, but it's actually good because he just whoosh, 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 and he goes get back, and then. Everybody just brings their guns up, and he's like, eh. <laughs> goes down. And then, anyway, Mickelson gets the dial, and mm-hmm. then we get a. Um, they're going outside to try to chase him, but then Helena's ex boyfriend, fiance, whatever, weird somebody subplot. that uh, somebody that she conned. That guy was killed. Um, yeah, and he's just like, my father just wanted me to cut off your head and all that, and then of course she's like. Uh, can we can we do without the last part stuff? It actually felt more like Jack Sparrow than anything. It felt like a very Jack Sparrow moment. That is true. And then we get into this chasing. I'm gonna say this. I did like this sequence though. Of the whole I thing. thought it had potential. It had potential. The editing it's weird. is what kills it. It's yeah. weird, and the framing of the shots is very sloppy. Like, it's so basic and traditional, mm-hmm. but it doesn't feel exciting. There's no, like, sense of urgency or momentum. It just sort of, it feels like it's going through the motions. It felt I think like that's we the biggest just, problem with the movie. It felt like we just needed an action scene just because we needed one. Oh my this God, is our third point. action scene in a row. Mm-hmm. Or no... No, this is our second action scene. Mm-hmm. Or, but it's our third action scene of the movie. Yes. They have a couple of those. And it's mostly, I felt like they were just doing it to pad the runtime more mm-hmm. than anything. Not because it happened organically. Because the thing like, about oh, okay. the passing Dana Jones movies, when you get into the action, is because of a choice that the character made. It was so sure, it's because it's oh we got to get to this MacGuffin. It's all these side quests, like the Riders of Skywalker. Mm-hmm. I was expecting somehow um, Belloc has returned. That would have been cool though. <laughs> His head so somehow how... magically grew back, like the guy from Men in Black. 
No, what's the name of the villain of Temple of Doom? Oh, uh, Molaram. That would have made sense. Somehow Molaram has returned. Because it's the spirit and voodoo. Yeah, and then... Uh, then we get the discarding of the CIA because they're on a helicopter because they're following as well. <laughs> they were helping uh, Mads Mikkelsen and then apparently he stiffed getting a medal from the president and the young agent is just like, we're not going to help you. Like she's always got like this, Hey, blah, blah, blah attitude. Like this bossy attitude. Mm -hmm. It's generally, like I said, it's not fun to watch at all. Mm -hmm. It's not even, it's not even like a race thing or anything. It's just a badly written. It's by writing. It's by writing. It's bad writing. Like, I don't expect everybody to be fun and everything, or, like, make her competent in her job if she's so bossy. But she's useless. She she's so even, useless. Even the bad writing thing, though. she could You could have just introduced, like, maybe two, three moments, or maybe she was starting to doubt about these kind of people. Maybe she was noticing that they were Nazis and the betrayal. Yeah, but the thing about bossy characters is that they're usually bossy because they're right. Or they're experienced or something. Here, she doesn't do anything. No. She's just a bitch to everybody. And then... Um, then she gets killed. Even Mads Mikkelsen can't take it anymore. He's like, fine, alright. Since you're not going to help me, they just kill everybody on board. They literally throw one guy out without a parachute. And then they shoot her like... It wasn't even like super fatal. It was just like in the shoulder or something. Mm. And she just bleeds out. And he just goes... My name is Voler, Jürgen Voler. And it basically says, I'm a Nazi. Yeah. And then she's just like, eh, dies. <laughs> We're going to bring that up later. I have a big problem because it introduces a second plot hole in the movie. Well, Ooh. another plot hole later. But they kill everybody. And then. This is when we get to Antonio Banderas. The, the Teddy kid and. Helena, they're total dicks to Indy, by the way. But and there's only one old joke where he was just like, "Oh, the Wright brothers. I thought you knew them." <laughs> okay, I chuckled a little bit at this. Maybe this movie was a little bit funnier than I thought it was. And the other line that I like is before the chase starts. Starts though, I don't need a morality lessons from a great robber, and he's just like, "I'm not." Technically, you are, though. Uh, you did. <laughs> I like that they made him an old man because he's so socially unaware because he keeps butting into conversations like <laughs> that he has no right to. And, and also, I like that Helena um, is calls him out for that, like, you know, mind your business, dude. And then there's the line that I call the Gaston line where he's just like, you know, during the chase, he was like, what will your father think? And then she's just like, oh, what? Beautiful, brilliant, self-reliant and stuff. And I'm like, gee, that's incredibly vain of you. You yeah. haven't done anything like that. Apparently, they value the, like, that's like we Gaston talking about himself. I was going to say, we only have known you for like 10 minutes. Yeah, do something and stop yeah. talking about how great you are and just fucking do it. Mm-hmm. Because what's great about characters like, you know, strong female characters like Ellen Ripley and Sarah Connor, they just do things. They don't boast mm -hmm. about it. But that's that also part of the character, I guess, is that she's just peacocking to show that she's so insecure she has to make up for everything. 
But the problem is she never admits this. Mm-hmm. Or they don't make they make they don't make it very clear. Because the other thing that also is never stated in the movie, I'm like, she's doing this to honor her father, or she's doing this because of the money. Yeah, they they're very. This movie is also tonally inconsistent. Like yes. not just tonally, but the writing is so inconsistent. You feel like multiple people wrote this. Mm-hmm. This feels like a first draft. Like there's ideas in here that really work, but they're just. They don't gel very well together. Nothing feels earned. Mm-hmm. And, oh yeah, now they're going to Greece because... Um, they need to buy and find the graphicals. Yes, which is basically yet another MacGuffin that'll help translate where the ha- other half of the dial is. Mm-hmm. And uh, then they meet with Indy's friend Ronaldo, played by Antonio Banderas. Yes. He's literally just there just to be a sea captain that they just need to do. And he is a I, Spanish frog. Like his and voice and he's kind of cute though. That's just how he talks. I know. That's just but... how Antonio Banderas talks. <laughs> and uh he's also got one leg as well. So <laughs> Yay, cool. And um they're gonna go search underwater. Um but before that there's actually a really good scene. Nah, the the one of the good scenes that we both like, though. Yes, where Harrison. We've been crapping on this movie a lot, but Harrison Ford really does bring his A game in this. Yes, because he knew he... this was the last one, and even with the bad writing, he was still being his A game. Well, because he loves Indiana Jones. Yeah, he hates Han Solo, but he loves Indiana Jones. Yes, which is crazy to me, but. You know, to each their own. Mm-hmm. And he, Helena's just like, what would you do if you go back in time? Go to ancient Rome? Do all this? Be, be you know, snarky and everything. And then he just goes, no, I go back um, to before my son enlisted. And then she's just like, oh, why do you do it? And he's like, just to piss me off. And I'd say that you'd get killed. And then it would devastate his mother. Mm-hmm. And that it would devastate me. And that I couldn't console her. And that it it ruined... Essentially, he's like, it ruined me. Mm. Like, as a person. So he's, like, still grieving his son. But again, Mutt would never do this. Mm -hmm. If you saw the last movie, he hates authority. He wouldn't even do it just to spite Indy. Marion and Indy breaking up, that makes sense because that relationship is so toxic, dude. Mm-hmm. But just the look on Helena's face when she's got like this big smile, just to like the look of realization of, oh crap, this guy's got like feelings. Because it seems like they sort of say it in passing that she's sort of bitter mm-hmm. that he didn't step up and be a father figure to her, but it's like he's got his own shit to deal with. And also, this is why I don't... That was the first time in the movie when I was watching the first one. I was like, uh, Madwo had never done that. Because you just said it. I was like, he hates authority. He's a greaser. And also, if, the, if he was still alive in the 60s, he would have been a hippie. And you know what that I thought about right now? A better way to kill the character? Mad died in a rally. In a peace rally against Vietnam. Against the war. He got killed by the police. 
You could I like the I like the Vietnam angle because that does make a lot of sense. Vietnam was a yeah. big, big part of that. But even Matt would have made sense to, for him to die in a rally instead of going to the war. It would have been much better way to kill the character that yeah, way. And uh we could and I like this downtime because it gives the film a breather mm-hmm. as well. And it just allow, it allows the movie to breathe for a second because it feels like this movie it's it's the same problem with Suicide Squad. Where it feels like it's on fast forward. Mm-hmm. But then we're getting to the middle of the movie, and this is where the film just, for some reason, really drags. I don't know why. This, the pacing is terrible. Mm-hmm. And they dive into the Aegean Sea to find a shipwreck, and it's a tablet. Oh, yeah, and the creatures this time are eels mm-hmm. because they really like The Amazing Spider Man 2 for some reason. Jamie Foxx is over next door with the electric eels. And um, it's a tablet, which is essentially a Rosetta Stone that's going to reveal more clues. Yes. And then, but unfortunately, Mads Mikkelsen arrives. I like and... the thumb scare of how they find the skeleton and the graphicals and the eels pop out of the skeleton's head. I'm like, that was like, that felt like a Spielberg kind of jump scare, though. That felt cool, though. Also, it was. Uh... Um, Antonio Banderas goes down with one of his helper guys, and uh, so they kill the helper guy by cutting his line like the tube hose. Mm-hmm. And I like that Antonio Banderas has his weird little quirk. He's just like three minutes, we go down, and then we go up. Mm-hmm. It's my method, or whatever. He's like, we're very specific about this. Mm-hmm. I, I did not actually time it to see if it was three minutes exactly. I don't think. But what? the problem is, if you could have easily killed everybody, why didn't you just kill everybody? Yeah, you, you killed, killed the, one, the likes of killed all one of them. guy. But why didn't you just kill the other people? They, you know, they're a nuisance. These Nazis are very stupid. Yes, yes, they are. And then they go up, and Helena tricks them into uh, thinking. Oh well, wait, 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 wait! First, into first thinking. they shooting the Antonio Banderas on the knee. And then she said, no, I, I will help you read it. And well, no, still... and then they kill Antonio Banderas. They kill Antonio Banderas, yeah. Another wasted character. Whoa. Oh, and this is the second time that way I have seen a waste of Antonio Banderas. The first time was the fucking Uncharted movie. My God, that movie was bad. I'm going to make it a new thing. We're, we're going to try not to say as many F-words, but in this case, we I'm going to let it slide. Yeah. I'm going to let it slide. For at least this one, if we're passionate. Not as much, but yeah. Um, then Helena she starts, starts reading the tablet, reading the tr- tablet and is like, oh, okay, it's in Alexandria, it's under the statue of Athena, and this all this stuff. Mathematics, the Library of Alexandria. Just and a bunch then, of like mama, history mama. babble. And then she, as she's babbling, she grabs one of the dynamites that it was established three minutes ago. And then she grabs. I she, actually like this about her. Yeah, and that's how she grabs the cigarette because she technically already betrayed Indy in this moment. She said, "I want a hundred thousand bucks, and I'll give you the translation." I was like, "In the guy." So now like, she's turned you. into Lando, but I do like the whole dynamite thing and the dynamite of lighting thing. the dynamite with the cigarette and everything behind that was the back. Cool. I liked that. Because, you know, that's something Indiana Jones would do, which is think right on his feet. And I think that's another thing is like, Indy doesn't really think on his feet. 
that much. Mm-hmm. You could argue that's because of old age, but you know, he's now just a sad, bitter old man. Mm-hmm. And you're basically watching Ebenezer Scrooge. Yeah. In an Indiana Jones cosplay. <laughs> not, oh. not Indiana Jones himself. You could have the deconstruction of him and have him in this place. Mm-hmm. But you gotta still keep certain traits to make him that character. And Indiana Jones doesn't seem to have those traits. You except know, for guess... the sark except for the snark and being a grouch now. You know, I thought of a better plot right now. You could have done Jewel of the Nile kind of plot that maybe Indy writes his own novels about his stories, and then a, a fan that wanted to wanted to know if those stories were real learns that those stories were real. All of the Indiana Jones movies that we have seen their novels haven't been a much better plot, no. Yeah. But anyway, um, then we got our we actually do get a good Indiana Jones moment where he's oh, just when he like, lights up the tablet thing. Yeah, and he because he realizes he feels it, he's like, okay, this is a little bit heavier than we thought, and it's made out of wax. Mm -hmm. Okay, so lights it, and then reveals it's actually another part of the dial. So it's actually three parts. Mm -hmm. And uh, I love that they were like, woo, yeah, we blew up the ship, and Indy just goes, my friend was just killed. (laughs) (laughs) But but how it's delivered is so awkward. Mm -hmm. You're just like. You don't know when to put the humor in. Yeah. And like then, you, uh, but uh, they they end up going to Sicily. They, I call it the island from Luca. And then we get, like we Luca. actually do get a indie map transition or whatever mm-hmm. PowerPoint presentation that was. I don't know, Is but they they, they or that plane had a Pan Am sign though. It felt like it had a Pan Am that with a little plane going to the map. But it was done so fast that, like I said before, at the beginning of the episode, it felt like Baz Luhrmann took control of the visuals for a second there. And then tell me, rewatching that, that you did not feel like it was a wacky Baz Baz Luhrmann transition. (laughs) Anyway, they they go for uh, the ear of Dionysus, which is where Archimedes' tomb is located. But also, I like this kind of like little moment in the island that the kid is looking to other kids. And I was like, what if it become the island from Luca, though? Because it, it, we felt very familiar to Luca. You only needed a Vespa. <laughs> you just needed the kid on a Vespa. And then the kid um, steals some money from a rich kid, gets a gelato. Then he gets kidnapped by the Nazis. Yes, because he's also really stupid in, in the fact that he doesn't mind his surroundings. Mm-hmm. But you also can understand pocket. he's been on his yeah as a pickpocket you should be mindful of your surroundings mm-hmm. that's your whole that's a big spiel right there. yeah that's again an, another inconsistency and anyway uh, yeah we go we to see the more cave. stuff with Indy's age where he can't climb very fast and everything and then we get more oh you've never been had to deal with voodoo or <laughs> drinking human blood. I, I like the Temple of Doom not though. I do yeah, like that. Like, and I've been shot nine times, one of which by your father, because he accidentally shot Indy before. Mm-hmm. At the beginning and, of uh, the movie, yeah. And uh, Helena, of course, is just like, oh, okay. She's just so, like, gung-ho and stuff where... But she, the Indy it's, it's to her... the point. It's to the point where she's just like, oh, I already know all these stuff. Come on, old man. Basically saying, I'm better than you. 
and I then, know it. And then Indy tells her, like, you wouldn't have learned all of your father's numbers just because of the money. Yeah, yeah, because uh, that was how she learned everything. And and he's saying that because um, The Last Crusade, there was only the one diary. and Because she was just like, I made a copy and all that stuff. And it's like, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. I guess that explains that. It's, it's the fact that she's just like, I'm better than you and rubbing it in Indy's face. And then we go through the little... She's so disrespectful like, of him. Mm-hmm. Like, and you can be just as smart as him. That's not the problem I have. I don't even care that it's a woman. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't care that it's a woman regardless, but uh, it's the fact that it's like, they gotta say, oh, they're this character is better than this character. It's Indiana Jones, dude. I can't... Keep, and I'm gonna tell you why that. also it feels really bad, though, because of the bad writing. You could have established that maybe she's disrespectful to Indiana Jones because maybe Indy was technically partially responsible for his father's madness, or maybe his father died because of Indy, or maybe well, Indy I guess that's what's implied. But it's implied, but it was never shown. That's the problem with the bad writing. That's what I'm saying. They, I'm like, it's the it's the rule: show, don't tell. Uh huh. But even then, it's like they don't give her any moments of like weakness. Yeah, making a completely flawless character is boring mm-hmm. you're like oh but billy what about superman he's flawless that's not true he's, he's actually not. really flawed people i'm sick of that bullshit he's actually more interesting than you think he is mm-hmm. he he's flawless in powers wise mm-hmm. but also but he's he's still very much like flawed helena shaw is n- not that in the fa- but I do like that they, they figure out certain things and then they get to Archimedes' tomb and they find that he has a wristwatch on and then they're like, And one oh, of the inscriptions, the dragon's face, seems like he has propellers. Yes, and they're like, oh shoot, he actually did go back in time. So this thing really is a mathematical time machine. Mm-hmm. Because it, it goes for fissures in time. I can believe that because last movie there was aliens. Yeah. That's fine. It's not like Indiana Jones is like in this film, uh, this realm of reality. The first movie was dealing with the God. Bible and God. And the third movie is literally the Holy Grail. And the second movie is about voodoo and it's dark magic. Voodoo and dark magic. Very dark magic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But yeah, then uh, Mickelson appears and they have a oh, little shootout. Oh, don't forget that the kid killed the big guy. Yeah, that also pissed me off because typically in Indiana Jones fashion, at least in the first two movies, if there's like a big hulking big guy, guy, he gets a always... pretty memorable death. Mm-hmm. And it's usually like a fist fight. Heck, even Crystal Skull had a fight with a bad guy that was the like, it's always the a memorable death, mm-hmm. too. Last Crusade... Um, like there's like always a left hand or something. If even if it's not a big guy, because third last crusade we had the tank fight. Mm-hmm. Raiders we had the big mustache dude with that gets cut up by the plane propeller. Mm-hmm. And then in Temple of and Doom, the guy played the by the same guy by the mm-hmm. by the way gets crushed by the the rock thing pretty mm-hmm. brutally too. Here it's just okay the kid. Pickpockets the 
Yeah, because he put a handcuff on him so he wouldn't go, but the dude was so big on this tiny drawbridge that they just fall over. And uh, the kid, like, gets the key from his mouth, manages to fit through a hole that's exactly his size, by the way. Yeah! And handcuffs the big guy underwater and just basically drowns him. And, and we don't thing- see it, though, but the it's like he handcuffs him and he's like, ah! And try shaking it. And I also didn't believe that that big of a guy couldn't move that. That looked That's very easy stupid. for that him. That was the thing that was going to say. He yeah, but then it just the like cuts. Out. He just cuts. Yeah. He's such a big guy. He could have pushed the fucking thing or kicking it or would have destroyed the thing that he was already handcuffed with. Because it, this is an old metal for a thousand years in the yeah, water. This is, like, this is like the fourth weird abrupt transition. Yes. Already, and it's not even the last one. There's two more that are just weird. The one that, that I hate ruined right the, the scenes. Uh huh. Well, yeah. Get anyway, um, Mickelson reassembles the dial because now he's got the the pieces together, and Can't he plans to travel to 1939. Oh yeah, and he gets all the Nazi uniforms. And she'll see me. Yeah. Oh yeah. Indy got injured. Same place where the CIA agent got injured, by the way. Mm-hmm. He apparently can't bleed out or whatever. So, but he doesn't even seem like he was wounded. Mm-hmm. So they're inconsistent about, oh, yeah, I guess he's not wounded anymore because the plot demands it. But yeah, um, Nicholson wants to go back in time to 1939, assassinate Hitler, and lead Germany to World War II. Mm-hmm. Whatever. And then they use the dial to, oh, it creates a time fissure. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, they keep Indy alive, even though it would just be better to just kill him. Yeah, because you didn't need him, though. Yeah, you didn't need him anymore. He served his purpose. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Helena stows away, and then the kid gets in another plane so he can finally fly his plane. And. And then Mas Mikkelsen, between all of the calculates, yeah. Yeah, he puts in the calculations, but he warns him continental drift. You know, so those calculations will not be correct. Mm-hmm. And he turns out to be right um, because Archimedes, he's like, Archimedes wouldn't have known about continental drift. But the plane flies to 212 BC during the siege of Syracuse. And with this the Roman is when Empire. the it gets interesting again. Yeah, when they go, but they literally go back in time. Like how they first get there, the sound is cool. Like yes. planes, and you can hear the minute from no there. Start. And then, of course, once it restarts again, it has the Millennium Falcon noise. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, that feels more like indie. And I love indie looking at the at the window and looking at the all of the boats. This is not nineteen thirty nine. Yeah, and then you just see Mads Nicholson just basically turn into a big baby. Mm-hmm. And, and he's just the... like, he's cradling his head and like, oh man, I don't know what to do. And he's very much panicking and it shows why this guy is just kind of sucks as a bad guy. And like, those are the biggest spears trying to destroy the plane. Uh, the, like, like, that's a very cool moment. And this is the thing that I told Billy when I was at the theater. It felt like the motion of the movie came back. I was like, oh my God, we got to a moment that is exciting. But now watching it again, in my, I was like, oh, this moment 
felt like the screenwriter that got to write this part of the movie, they're like, I'm going to try to do George Lucas because it felt like George Lucas wrote it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Um, the army's on the ground. They believe the plane's a dragon. So mm-hmm. that's why they're firing. And we see that Indy and Helena parachuted out of the plane just before one of the gunshots. Uh, and Archimedes notices the plane too. Yeah, because yeah, Archimedes is there. And then it bursts into flames. And I actually liked, although there was a Looney Tune moment where he, uh, Boyd Holbrook and Mads Mikkelsen look at each other like Wiley Coyote. Yes. And it's like, you know, uh oh. And then they explode. And then I actually liked that they showed that All Mickelson's burned. face melted, essentially. The burns are pretty okay. And uh, Archimedes tells the watch. Yeah, Archimedes takes the watch and the full dial because he mm-hmm. hadn't finished the dial. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the kid landed the plane with this poor Italian pilot that was dragged along with him because he was literally just sleeping in the back. I'm surprised that the Italian pilot never tried to punch the kid or something. Yeah, and also the fact convenient. that he just let him mm-hmm. fly the plane. Anyway, uh, yeah, uh, Archimedes is a grave digger, apparent or a grave robber, because he just mm-hmm. he picks off the wristwatch and the, like and, the dial. and uh, then it turns out he was like, "Oh, I the the dial was always meant to bring you to here." To this exact moment, yeah, yeah. So he could bring people from the future back to the siege of Syracuse. And then the fissure's starting to close, and then Helena is just like, oh, we gotta go. And Indy's like, no, I want to be a part of history. I've got nothing really to live for. Mm-hmm. He's like, I studied all my life. And then I was like, uh, no, Indy, you're gonna waste your life here. And then I, and then he, I love that Indy tells in Greek, I was like, I want to stay here. I let her go. And I love that she's trying, talking in Greek. She like her Greek is bad, but then she's trying it in English. Also, trying to deal with India at the same time, and then I was like, yeah, "We have come here, sir." It says Indy for two thousand years. We didn't expect to meet the great Archimedes, and and then she says, "I was like, but we have to go to your own time. There is medicine there. You're gonna die here." And I was like, "No, you get on the plane." He grabs his hat, and I need to bitch about this. Go, go ahead. Helena, Saki, he pulls his hat, punches him in the face, and then we cut. I felt betrayed. Number one. Number two. She technically destroyed the potential of Indy having a story arc because throughout the whole of the other movies, Indy always said that he loves putting things in a museum being part of history, he memorized it by story, it would have been the most daring thing to kill off the character in that moment him looking at the sun, at the sunshine, seeing the plane going left with the girl, and him being part of history because another thing, because then she says in the present, when they go back to 1969, you could have changed history, Indiana just would have not changed history because he worships history not only that I understand where it's like it would create a time paradox because if Indy was in the past, then he wouldn't be able to be born 
or whatever. It would time travel was messy. They didn't want to deal with the time travel. It would have broken their universe because time travel is very hard to do. I know. But I also agree with you. It would have been much better. It's because it's just done so abruptly. I feel like the movie wanted to it pussy out of an ending. That's the other thing that bothers me, and I have said they this keep before. Cutting the momentum mm-hmm. of this movie. They like it's like when you're about to race to the finish line, somebody trips you. Mm-hmm. You can't really recover from that. And then now it's just Indy all stitched up and he is back home. And then Helena is there with the kid. And then for her two minute scene, mm-hmm. they brought Karen Allen back as Marion is there. Literally just, oh yeah, I got groceries. It, and then they just look at each other, you know, like, oh, crap. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. And then they're, everybody literally, it just turns into the most awkward thing ever where they're just like, oh, I think we need to give Indy some room. Sala comes in with his grandchildren as well. And then they're mm-hmm. just like, uh, let's just get some ice cream. Mm-hmm. And Sala singing some song. And then I'm just like, yeah, yeah, that's him. And then Marion is just like they, they do a callback to Raiders, like when Indy's injured on the ship. Yeah, but that was a good callback. This time, Indy says Marion's dialogue, mm-hmm. and Marion says Indy's dialogue. You know, where does it hurt? Here, here, and then they hug and kiss as well. And then we cut to New York, like the shot, and we get a close up of the hat. It's on a clothesline thing, and then it somehow it's ending like a Looney Tunes cartoon where it's focusing in on the hat. And I thought, you know what? This is a great final shot, too, mm-hmm. with like the hat hung up, symbolizing, uh-huh. you know, he's done. But yeah. then you just see a hand, just takes the hat, and then it's done. And I just went, What are you doing? You could have ended that so well. Ruining momentum again. Literally. Five minutes ago, you did the same thing. God, I... that's how you're gonna end one of the most like the mo- one of the most iconic adventure franchises of all time. Mm-hmm. Whatever. This, this hurts. It hurts a lot, though, because this is the other thing. This is my father's favorite franchise. Too, he loves the Indiana Jones movies. He literally told me after he said, he said, eh? And he only said that. I know my father. When he says that, that means I was like, oh. <laughs> I was like, oh. Um, I honestly, even right now, I don't want to see this movie again. Yeah, I, it's, I thought it was, I was like, no, it's all right. I guess mm-hmm. when I first saw it, but I just just rewatching it. I'm like, yeah, it's not really good. And that breaks my heart to say it. It's really disappointed me because I was like, oh, I'm going to see an Indiana Jones film on my own in a theater. Mm-hmm. Barely anybody in that theater. Which brings us to Sorry, the buddy. box office. Yeah. This movie made only $384 million. On a $300 million budget. 
they lost over a hundred thousand or a hundred million dollars on this. It's way more. It's not more. Yeah. It probably probably 150 million at least. Also remember the rule. It has to be two and a half times or three times the budget to make a profit. Yeah, and it very much did not do that. Mm-hmm. You would have thought with, I guess they thought with a surefire name like Indiana Jones. But at that point, here's the problem. Disney Plus was already out. I think Disney Plus is the reason why Disney has not made, very rarely has had a box office hit. The only hit that they've had of 2023 was Guardians 3. And that was mostly just because of the goodwill of the other two movies. Mm-hmm. And then it's also because James Gunn is literally going over to the competition. He's literally going to become the head of the competition. Also because Guardians 3 felt like an event. Well, yeah, it felt like a big conclusion, like like a farewell because tour. He, because it was an ending. Yeah, yeah. And everything else on paper, it sounded great. Like for mm-hmm. Disney's 100th year, it sounded great. A final entry into Indiana Jones, a sequel to a one of their billion-dollar films with the Marvels. Um, oh, don't get me started on Wish. God damn it, that movie pisses me off, too. They had the Once Upon a Studio short, which is what Wish should have been. Yes. Um, and then there was Wish, which was a musical celebrating it, its 100th anniversary in a way. Boy, did it really backfire on them, because... People realized, oh yeah, it's we could just wait till it goes on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. We could save ourselves a lot of money, or they could just you know pff, lower ticket prices. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. I saw the movie opening day here in LA. It was only me and other ten people in Alonso. I yeah. Was also, think about think about this. If you're a family of four, that's a hundred. That's in L.A. That's like eighty-eight dollars for four people. That's yep. just the tickets. That's not even the snacks and everything. So and families know they can just wait until it just drops on Disney Plus because mm-hmm. they know it's just going to be streaming. Because that's the problem with the Disney films right now is they feel like content mm-hmm. to put on their site rather than events, events, or not even just events, just like making a story. Mm-hmm. like it's so uninspired and like it was made in a factory and you're doing this to all your franchises it's like of course nobody's gonna watch it mm-hmm. nobody's gonna put up with this crap you's not gonna because make people anything already caught on it yeah people less... are, people are not stupid mm-hmm. it took some years but people caught on yeah. Oh yeah, and I forgot about Elemental as well. Um, that was that ended up being yeah, but that ended up being like eh, kind of. It was modest. a modest kid. Yeah, it was modest, but not like not to the profit that they were looking for. We're talking about other movies because we just really don't want to talk about this movie anymore. No, but we had to do it because it's the end of a franchise mm-hmm. that we already started, and it's an important one. Mm-hmm. We love Indiana Jones. You know what? Mads Mikkelsen, he still does a good job because he's always great and everything. Yeah. But, and man, was... Actress, she was not bad, though. 
but I don't like her last decision destroyed the goodwill that I have for the character. It was just a badly, it was a film made by a committee. Yeah. And people are really catching on that this is what's happening. Mm-hmm. We really need Disney to evolve because now they're back in a rut. This and is we've seen Disney, Disney we've, bad, we've, though. We've seen Disney in ruts before, but mm-hmm. that's when they really need that to, like, step it up and evolve. Because if they don't, they're not going to be a brand. That That's with any company. If you don't evolve with the times, mm-hmm. you are not going to succeed. And you got to figure out what to do with Disney Plus and all that stuff. It was great during the pandemic mm-hmm. because people couldn't go to the movie theater. Mm-hmm. But now I feel like that's sort of ruined it. Yeah. <laughs> and makes me sad because it's... We can dunk on Disney all we want. Mm-hmm. But it is the single most powerful and influential company in the world. Yep. Of all time. Everybody, every single person on the planet probably can say that. And it's a double-edged sword though because we do admire a lot of things that Disney has done before. But we hate a lot of things that they have done now. Yeah, we need to criticize it, though, because we want to yeah, see better. Yeah, we need to. Mm-hmm. I give this movie a, a four. I'm going to give this movie a four as well. It's yeah. not the worst. It's, it's not the worst movie of all time. And no. it's not the worst movie we've ever seen. But, man, it was, it was just a big letdown. We're depressed, and we don't really want to talk about it anymore. And even I told Billy, and I'm like, which one is worse, this or episode nine? And we both agree this one is worse. Because this had potential. Episode nine was just writing on the wall. We knew, no matter what, that was not going to succeed. Mm-hmm. Because everybody had such wild expectations and such gatekeeping reactions to what it they wanted their Star Wars to be. Mm-hmm. And they still do. Yeah, Those people are pathetic, but... It's, it was just, we got to finish it because we got to finish it mm-hmm. at that point. So hopefully next week we can correct that with, instead of a ending of a franchise, it is a prequel mm-hmm. to a franchise. So we're going to do the Hunger Games, the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. A palate cleanser. Whew. Yes. 65 years before the first Hunger Games movie. Or 64 years. Because mm-hmm. it was at 74th. But yeah, uh, we're finally going to talk about... Or we're going to end the Hunger Games. AKA uh, unless Tereso. they make out more. A- AKA Tereso. The American version. <laughs> Tereso. <laughs> but look, until then... Yeah. Where can the good people find you, buddy? You can find me, as always, at RollVaderDC on Twitter, Instagram, and on Letterboxd at RollVaderDC. Please follow the podcast and SYNS pod on Twitter. Give us a nice review and everything in Jubilee. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter and Letterboxd at MasterPuns196. Every word starts with a capital letter. You can also follow me on Instagram at BillyBatsonsLightning. Nothing is capitalized. And once again, you can follow our main show, Twitter, at SYNS pod as well as give us a five star and just write a review on Apple Podcasts as well as Google, Spotify, SoundCloud, Spotify for podcasters, wherever podcasts can be listened to. And as always, see you next summer. Dun 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 dun.